Good afternoon, this is Bill Allen coming to you live from Tyler, Texas. If you're watching on my Facebook page at uh, 3 p.m. on a very cold Tuesday afternoon in Tyler, Texas, not downtown, because I am at home. Our church office has been closed the last couple of days. We got quite a bit of a bad ice storm, snow and ice, not a whole lot, but enough to mess up the roads really bad. And so we had an abbreviated sermon on Sunday morning, abbreviated service. I'm pretty sure that was the first time that anybody has heard me preach for seven minutes, actually less than seven minutes. But we had the storm come in a little bit sooner than expected. And so we got uh, all of the things done that we wanted to get done and sent everybody home safely and still had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper to encourage each other to sing some songs of praise, to hear a message from God's word in John chapter one about Jesus and being grace and truth, to do a little bit of praying and a little bit of catching up with each other and then a little bit of getting home safe. So uh, it was a great day to be flexible. We used to say that a lot in Ukraine, uh, gotta be flexible. You never know what each day was gonna bring and that's what we found out on Sunday. And so our church office has been closed Monday and today but hey with modern technology we can do a facebook live class from anywhere <clears throat> so if you're watching live on my page welcome if you're watching a little bit later either on my facebook page or on our west Irwin church of christ facebook page west Irwin live facebook page or on our website westerwin.com that's Irwin with an e r w i n uh, you click over to where the front, the top tab says connect and scroll down to where it says live stream, click on that and then go to the place where it says video archives and click on that and you can find these lessons and lots of other stuff as well, including my wonderful seven minute sermon from Sunday. Some of you don't believe me, you know me too well, but it happened, we were done. We had a church service in less than 30 minutes. I'm pretty sure that it was absolutely faithful to the gospel, and I'm pretty sure that it's probably not going to happen again. Uh, so that's something that's kind of neat and exciting and always fun to be able to do, to praise God and to bless him and to encourage each other, uh, whether it's uh, a good while together or just a short time like it was Sunday. Uh, but today we're looking through the book of Genesis using Eflagard Smith's The Daily Bible in Chronological Order. We're reading through the Bible uh, this year. And as we do that, our Facebook lessons on Tuesdays and Thursdays are covering that week or approximately that week's readings. And boy, hasn't it been exciting? This th These stories in Genesis, you shake your head and you think, wow, these were the these were the heroes. These were the good guys because they pulled some big, bad things. And we've seen that already. Um, we, we were introduced to Abraham in chapter 12. Abraham and Sarah had uh, a son by the name of Isaac. He was the son of promise. And Ishmael, Abraham's older son, <clears throat> through Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, was Abraham's son and was blessed because of that. But he was not the son of promise. That would be Isaac. Isaac was married. Isaac became, uh, grew up and was married to Rebekah uh, from Sarah's homeland rather than where the Canaanites were, where they were living at the time. And so um, uh, Isaac received his wife, Rebekah, very beautiful love story there. And uh, Isaac and Rebekah, just like Isaac's parents, Abraham and Sarah, could not have children for a long time. 
But then they finally did. And when they did, it was twins, um, Jacob and Esau. Esau being the oldest and Jacob being the youngest. But God had promised that the younger would be the one who would be uh, the, the one, the, the older would serve the younger. And so it was Jacob who was the son of promise. <clears throat> so we have Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and now Jacob. And Jacob, as we saw last time, and as you've read over the last several days, uh, boy, what a story. You talk about a dysfunctional family, as we said last Thursday. Boy, that is Jacob and all of the things that went through with him. Uh, he had children through his two wives, uh, Leah and Rachel, but also through their two handmaids, their two servants. And he had 12 sons and one daughter. Uh, the, older, the youngest son uh, was Benjamin. And when Rachel had Benjamin, uh, she passed away in childbirth. But uh, Benjamin's older brother, uh, his full brother, Joseph, uh, Rachel had him as well. And so because of that, Joseph was Jacob's favorite. <laughs> of course, he's going to be the favorite. And you've heard Dolly's song, The Coat of Many Colors. Uh, Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel. Remember, we talked about that story back in Genesis, I think 32 or so, where Jacob is wrestling with an angel and he um, and he overcomes somehow or another. Obviously, the angel led him, but he overcomes. And um, and so he has his name is changed to the one who struggles with God and wrestles with God and overcomes <clears throat> and that's the name Israel, and that's where the nation gets its name. Jacob has all those sons and a daughter, and that's where the nation really gets started. And as he's going, uh, he has all of those sons, Joseph uh, being one of the younger ones, Benjamin born, maybe Joseph about 10 years old or so. It's not real specific about that, uh, but Joseph is dad's favorite. He gives him that coat of many colors. And then he sends him off to check on his brothers uh, because they're away and he wants to make sure they're okay and send them some supplies. But the brothers, when they see him coming, they're jealous and they plot uh, to either kill him or, as it ends up, uh, sell him into slavery. You see, Joseph had had some dreams. Not only did he receive dad's special uh, coat, but he also had dreams. He was a dreamer, you might say, but they were very uh, specific dreams of prophetic messages. And in, and in the dreams, his brothers bowed down to him and his brothers and his parents bowed down to him. And, and they were all flabbergasted because in that society, the younger serves the older. The older ones are the ones that have priority. And yet we see time and again, God turning that upside down and making that different. We saw it with Isaac. We certainly saw it with Esau and Jacob. And in a sense, we see it with Joseph and we'll see it especially in just a moment with one of Joseph's brothers. Um, and so they see him coming and they say, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of this dreamer. So they plot against him. They put him in a cistern and they take his coat of many colors and they rip it to shreds and they kill an animal and put blood all over it, take it home to dad and say, do you recognize this? And, and sure enough, Jacob believes that his son, Joseph, his special son has been killed, but they had not killed him. They had seen some traveling Ishmaelites on their way to Egypt. These are descendants of, of Isaac's brother, Abraham's uh, 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 other son, Ishmael. Uh, and so they sell him. They say, hey, we might as well get something for him. And so they sell him. And Joseph goes away into Egypt and the brothers go back. And Jacob says, I will go down to my grave 
in mourning, and he has lost the son uh, that was the first son of his beloved wife, Rachel, and then his uh, his son, Benjamin, was born to Rachel also, but she passed away during his birth, and so now he is going to be extra protective of Benjamin, as we'll see in a later story, which we'll talk about <clears throat> on Thursday. <clears throat> but first, there's a little bit of a parenthesis before we get going into deeper into Joseph's story. And as you know, he goes to Egypt, gets sold as a slave, and has all kinds of adventures, ending up being the second in command of all of Egypt. Um, and that story that we'll talk about on Thursday is just an amazing story. But before we get there, there's a very weird chapter. I mean, they're all a bit weird in Genesis in some ways. But Genesis chapter 38 is just really odd. It's just really odd. Uh, and it reminds us that all of the heroes in the Bible are, they're humans. They're humans. And this one is, is certainly that. This is one of uh, Jacob's sons, Judah, uh, born to uh, Jacob's wife, Leah. She had, remember, she had four sons and then her handmaid had some and then she had a few more and a daughter and um, and uh, one of those sons that she had in that first uh, group was Judah, not the oldest, but one of them. And so Judah grew up, and he married a woman, and then he started having uh, children. And as his son grew older, he found his son a wife, and her name is Tamar. And so he married off his son to uh, this woman uh, named Tamar. And as, uh, as sure enough, as, as things happen sometimes, uh, his son died. And so according to the custom of the day, and that's kind of weird to us here in 21st century America, but it's the custom of the day, um, he went to the, his son's younger brother and he said, okay, you need to sleep with your sister-in-law and the first descendant that you have, the first child that you have, will be for your brother to carry on his name and his estate. Well, that other son didn't want to buy into any of that, and so he kept her from getting pregnant. And that made God pretty mad. And so uh, the first son was evil, and the second son acted evil as well. And so both of the sons died. And so now Tamar is left there as a two-time widow, basically. And so she looks to Judah, who is her father-in-law, who is her protector and provider now. And he tells her, look, go home to your father, live in your father's house, live in mourning. Don't give yourself to any other man. And when my next son grows up, I'll give him to you to be your husband. So she does that. She goes back to her home and back to her father's house, and the years go by. And Judah's uh, next son becomes a man. He's an adult now, and yet Judah does not give him to Tamar uh, to be her husband. And so then Tamar hears that uh, Judah is traveling near where she lives, and so she takes off her clothes in mo of mourning, and she puts on a tire and get up and a veil that would indicate not just disguise her uh, identity, but also uh, give a person who doesn't recognize her the impression that she's a prostitute. And so she goes and she goes by the road that she knows Jacob is going to come by and she presents herself there. And Judah's wife had died. And as he's going along, he sees her 
and he says, I want, I want you to sleep with me. And, and she says, what, what will you give me? And he says, I'll give you a goat from my flock. And she says, okay, you, they're not here. <laughs> so what will you give me in pledge? I, I need a guarantee here. And he says, well, <clears throat> I tell you what, here's my, here's my seal and cord and my staff. She says, I'll take that. And so she does. And Judah sleeps with her, who had been his daughter-in-law. I know, I'm not saying any of this is okay, okay? When you read through the book of Genesis and the rest of the Bible, just because there's not a clear condemnation of an action, it doesn't mean that it was okay with God. It's The scripture reports the good and bad of all of its characters, including its heroes. And Judah is certainly one of them. His father, Jacob, was one of them. All the craziness that went through with his two wives, first of all, and then sleeping with their servants because they are building up children. That None of that was okay. Uh, but all of it happened. And so the scriptures record it. Now here's Judah. His son has died. Uh, his next son has died. The widow of his son is now waiting for number three son. Number three son is not given to her. And so she's going to figure out a way to provide for her future. I mean, this is a woman that will be destitute all of her life unless something happens to change that. And she decides, well, if anything's going to happen to change it, it's going to be on me. So she, again, she betrays uh, Judah. She disguises herself, acts like a prostitute. He arranges to sleep with her, gives her his, his cord and seal and staff and says, I'll send the goat uh, for, with one of my men and then I'll get this stuff back. So he sleeps with her and he sends the goat back with one of his servants and they can't find her, can't find her anywhere. So they ask around the town and they say, well, nope, there's no prostitute that's there typically. We don't know who you're talking about. So the servant goes back to Judah and says, couldn't find her. Nobody's ever heard of her. And Judah says, well, don't worry about it. It's embarrassing enough as it is. We'll just drop it. Well, sure enough, uh, Tamar becomes pregnant, pregnant with uh, Judah's uh, children. And as she goes along, turns out more twins, twins run in that family for sure. And now here are, here are more twins. And she has two sons that are born to her and, um, and uh, they are born to her. And um, Judah gets word that she's pregnant and that she's been unfaithful. She was supposed to wait at home, twiddling her thumbs, praying that Judah would come through and provide for her. And he never did. And so now he gets the message that, well, guess what? She's been with somebody because she's pregnant. So then he sends men over there and he says, okay, we need justice here. She should be burned to death for, for committing adultery. Well, Tamar sees that coming. And so when Judah gets there, she shows him the cord and the seal and the staff. And she says, I'm pregnant by the man who left me these things. And Judah, to his credit, to his credit, Judah says, well, she is more righteous than I. And so he, he tells her to just go ahead and live out uh, you know, her days and he's not going to punish her. And she goes ahead and has her children. And there are two boys, two boys born to her. And one of them is uh, named uh, Perez. 
um, Perez, <laughs> if you're speaking in Spanish, but that's exactly how it's spelled, um, Perez. And then the next chapter, in chapter 39, we kick back to Joseph. And Joseph has been sold into Egypt as a slave to one of the officials of Potiphar. But we'll get to that on Thursday because we're not really through with Judah and Tamar and Perez just yet. And you're thinking, why in the world, Bill? I mean, good grief. What in the world? What's the, what is the purpose of this? I, maybe the Bible just wants to tell us one of the bad stories of of Judah and one of his uh, one of one of Jacob's sons and and his escapades, like we haven't gotten enough already. What what is the deal? Well, here's the deal. This is from Matthew chapter one, and it is the genealogy of Jesus of Nazareth, who is our Savior and Lord and Master. Matthew starts out. <clears throat> this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah or Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And now he starts with Abraham and goes down. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And you're thinking, wait, what, what? Judah? Yes, yes. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. That was according to the promise. And then God renewed that promise to his son, Isaac. And he renewed that promise to Isaac's son, Jacob. And so one of Jacob's sons would be carry on that promise that God gave to Abraham through your descendant, through your seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that's why it was so important for the Jews to keep that line uh, clear. They didn't keep it completely clear, but they did know the bloodline and they could trace it back. Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and then to Judah. And Judah is in the ancestry of Jesus Christ, but through whom? Start again. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. And so there you see what the significance of this story is. This is the line of Christ. This is the ancestry of Jesus Christ. And the significance of Tamar is not just the history there and the episode that happened that brought her to have a son by Judah, who had initially been her father-in-law. But that son is Perez, and Tamar is mentioned as Perez, the son of Judah, and Tamar. And Tamar is one of only five women mentioned in Matthew's genealogy. The majority are men. He goes from Abraham to King David to uh, Jesus. And there are only five women mentioned, or referred to even, <laughs> out of all of those. And the five that are mentioned are Rahab, who, if she is the lady from uh, Joseph's, uh, from Joshua's conquest of Jericho, was a Canaanite. Uh, Ruth, who was a Moabite woman. We know that story. Perhaps you have heard that story. If not, go read that book, short book, four chapters, great love story. But Ruth was a Moabite. She was not a Jew. The Moabites were hated enemies of the Jews. 
In fact, if you were a Moabite, you weren't supposed to be allowed in the, in the community. But there Ruth is in the line of Christ. And then a woman whose name is not mentioned, Matthew just couldn't bring himself to say Bathsheba. And so he talks about David and then Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. That's how they refer to Bathsheba. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, this young teenage girl that had, who knows if her story was true or not, according to everyone else, except the ones that knew her. And one more, Tamar. Tamar mentioned as the first woman in the line of Christ. It's just an incredible thing. And here's, here's a lesson for us today. We've been talking about the dysfunctional families, right? Abraham and Sarah certainly had their issues. Isaac and Rebecca lied. Isaac lied to protect himself and his wife rather than trusting in God. Jacob and all of his escapades and his brothers selling off Joseph into slavery. We'll get back to him next Thursday, this coming Thursday. And then there is a very ancestor of Jesus Christ, Judah, had that crazy story that we just read from Genesis 38. No matter how crazy and how dysfunctional and how um, incredibly, incredibly odd your family is, let me tell you, it is no, no different in the line of the Son of God that he chose. He could choose anybody, but that's the line he chose. And scripture, one of the things I think that that add to its credibility as much as anything else is it tells the truth. It tells the truth about its people. It tells the truth about its heroes. And so here you have Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah, Judah's mother, and then Judah and Tamar. And then we get to Perez and the line continues to go. Again, we are reminded, we, God can use us all. Whatever your history, whatever your baggage, God can use us all. And he will. And he does. And aren't we grateful? He forgives us. He saves us through the blood of Christ. But he does even more than that. He allows us to be a part of his plan and a part of his work. I look forward to telling the great story of Joseph as you read it in the chapters ahead, just as you will read this story of Judah and Tamar. I'll see you on Thursday.